You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on in to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Huh? It's a four-game sweep of the Boston Red Sox who are now eliminated from the 2022 MLB postseason. Chopped on out of here. They're gone. They don't get to play anymore. The playoffs will happen they won't be a part of it. It took something special for the Yankees to manage that. They had to four games sweep them, and they did playing uh, a couple extra innings in the first game, playing a few less innings than usually needed in the last game. But it didn't really matter because when you added everything up, the games individually, I mean, they won all four of them. Got inches away from clinching the AL East, too. If the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, I don't actually know how the magic numbers and nonsense work, because obviously if the Rays beat the Jays, they would have stayed tight with us, and but the Jays beat them and pushed them out. Now the Rays are eliminated. The Jays are magic number of two for elimination. Um, so that's one win in this three-game series in Toronto, but if we don't do that, it's any combination of two Yankees wins and Jays losses for the seven games after that. Why don't we just win a game in Toronto? Could be fun. Could be interesting. Either way, nine up with 10 to go. That's a pretty great spot to be. Uh, oh, what else? What else? Oh, Aaron Judge didn't homer in that uh, entire series. We signed off on Thursday. Thought we might be approaching the day. I didn't think you, I thought he was going to do it. Uh, I thought he was going to tie it Friday and pass him on Saturday. Oh, Nick Pavetta turned out uh, they challenged him. Matt Barnes gave him the fastball he needed at the tail end of the first game. He almost hit it over the center field wall. Didn't. Then uh, didn't really come particularly close until uh, the hanging breaking ball Brian Bayo threw him in the middle of game four, and he just missed it. But I wouldn't say he failed. I wouldn't say he was fantastic. I would say he's pressing a little bit. But uh, either way, end of the series, didn't do it. We move on, but he did rip a double. He OBP'd, I think, 438 in this series. And again, the Yankees won all four games. But are we concerned? Of course, a little bit concerned. We're going to talk about Garrett Cole's outburst and Alex Verdugo kind of putting him to shame a little bit. Plus, Aroldis Chapman could be DFA'd. People are talking about that, but genuine, I'm not kidding. Why? It's September 26th. Just why not when we wanted him to, I mean, great, but like, why? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you get your podcast, drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, do you have some thoughts on uh, the series that was? And again, 
Uh, Yankee fans chanting for the Red Sox to tie up the 7-5 game in the ninth on Saturday. I can't help but feel like that narrative was overblown. I really don't think more than a select 10 dopes are that stupid. You got to secure the wins over the Red Sox when you can. You got to secure the wins to get close enough to the clinch when you can. I think Alex Cora and the ESPN meeting machine just felt like talking about that yesterday during an otherwise best case scenario, the final game of a three out of four Yankees series victory. Um, But you wanted the Yankees to finish off that save, right? You're not insane. No, of course. Yeah. I, um, I, I didn't entirely enjoy myself throughout this series. This was kind of painful outside of last night's team ending early. I love Um, it. I love it. But I, I wouldn't expect anything less four game sweep over the last place Red Sox and the, the beginning of the pod is I didn't enjoy myself at all. I didn't. I don't enjoy my I don't enjoy myself during these games. They're a yeah. but yeah. Because again, last place Red Sox, not a good team somehow coming back and making this a problem for the Yankees in the first three games. You yeah. have the Clark Schmidt meltdown on Thursday. You have Garrett Cole's outburst on Friday. Um and then you have uh bullpen malfeasance on Saturday. Uh so I don't, you know, I don't know where anybody felt. I mean, it was good. The, the release on these wins was great. Um, and at the end of the day, it's just, it's never pleasant playing the Red Sox. So I guess that um, is the prevailing sentiment here. Then again, maybe I should reverse course because I knew it was going to be unpleasant. It was unpleasant, but they came out with four wins. Red Sox are dead. We have uh, magic number two uh, to win the AL East. I'm going for the trifecta. Tonight with the Giants, James Madison football, 29 unanswered points to beat Appalachian State on Saturday. Absolutely incredible game. So um, I am here waiting for my last team to do the work Monday night football against the Cowboys. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's, again, what Yankee fans do often, right? Am I upset about Judge not getting the record? No, look at all these people. Oh, Judge is pressing. Judge is feeling the pressure. It's like. Most of you are afraid to take dumps in public bathrooms. This guy is coming up to fucking bat every single time with cameras on him, with the entire nation tuning into an MLB broadcast or whatever. It's just people are so fucking exhausting with this stuff. Um, yeah, but Judge, to be fair, doesn't have to do the public bathroom thing. He's he doesn't, no. Situation. He gets his own private bathroom, yeah. uh, thanks. The judge's chambers. <laughs> um but i i what, what would you what would any of us do in a situation where you come up to bat and the world is watching you for for the every single time it's the announcers calling his name his music is blaring throughout the stadium um broadcasts around the country are you know giving uh the fans that are listening a play or watching a play-by-play of what's happening um it is a literal probably international event baseball fans across the world you can bet fans in south america central america fans in asia all watching this all very much in tune to what's going on so um to call judge out for pressing i mean he walked what six times in the series five times in the series he only saw 43 percent of strikes he went after most of the strikes that he saw again it's not easy to hit strikes for home runs back to the middle middle slop stuff I mean, if the slop is there, you have to hit the slop. If there's no slop, you take a walk. It is what it is. Like the reason why we're witnessing one of the most historic offensive seasons ever, and especially um, the manner in which it's unfolded in arguably one of the most uh, depressing offensive years ever, 
um, is because Judge has been that good. Judge has been capitalizing on the strikes he's been seeing. Um, Judge has seen like the eighth most middle middle balls, but he's also seen um, uh, an insane amount of pitches outside the zone. Um, so it goes both ways. He's laying off the pitches that are balls and he's making sure he capitalizes on the pitches that they throw over the plate. They have to throw over to the plate to him. They have to do that. It's part of the game. Um, you look at every other, you look at Barry Bonds this season when, when, when he walked every time he led the league in walks and intentional walks, and he still had 35 to 40 home runs and 90 to 130 RBIs. Like this is what the best hitters do. They take the free pass and they hit the strikes. Um, whether, you know, it, it just, and, and you want to make a greater argument for this is that it's never been easier to be a pitcher in the history of the sport. Statistically, you want to look back, you want to look at all these advanced metrics we have even, even fucking crazier is, do you realize how detailed the scouting reports are, how advanced the analytics have become that every opposition has the most information possible that they could, that they could possess at any given time and know how to pitch to Aaron judge. Still can't do it. Still can't. And if you look at the other, if you look at the other stats here, um, uh, I was reading. It was an article from probably like maybe ten years ago, um, but I haven't seen any update on it. Uh, leadoff walks historically score twenty-two to thirty-four percent of the time. Judge has had um, leadoff appearances in the game, um, and uh, uh, to lead off the game and to lead off an inning, I think one hundred and sixty times at this point. He's only walked 12% of those times because why are you going to put the, why are you not going to pitch to the first guy? Why are you not going to try to get him? Why are you going to put yourself in a hole and put a runner on first with no outs? You know, there's a lot of other players in this Yankees lineup as frustrated with them. Have we been that still have the capability of catching fire? Anthony Rizzo has caught fire this year. Glaber Torres on fire right now. John Carlos Stanton uh, unconscionable when he's tearing the cover off the ball. Um, uh, Josh Donaldson here and there, you know, still a threatening bat. Um, the bottom of the lineup now is kind of late. Harrison Bader has been the fucking coolest, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably the coolest. Like Brian Cashman, congrats. But also, if you didn't sign Aaron Hicks to this extension, wouldn't have had to make a trade that would have had us questioning and then praising this whole situation. But Harrison Bader, I think, has been a very uh, considerable missing piece here. Um, but you look up and down the Yankees lineup. There are great hitters here. Can't really – it's hard to pitch around. Even when you do pitch around, Judge leads the league with 128 runs scored. So whether he's hitting a home run, walking, or just hitting the ball, there's something to be said about a 314 average and also leading the lead in walks. You walk him, he gets on base. You pitch to him, he gets a hit. What do you want to do, walk him every time? Again, I don't understand the, the, the discourse here. Um, but – Judge is not pressing. Judge is going to, I think, get the record. Um, he, you know, just kind of, I think the, the, the constant attention um, and four games without a homer. Is that really, you know, is that the end of the world? Seems like a, seems like a regular stretch to me, but um, yeah, I retract my statement. You know, I was, I, I was not, I did not have fun watching the game, but I feel much better um, after the results. Um, we're looking ahead though. And it just leaves us exposed to concerns for the postseason, And that's really what the discussion is every year. It's building for October and the Yankees always seem kind of uh, unprepared for when, when that time comes. The judge stuff is just weird to me because this isn't the sport, right? It's there's never been uh, you know, this, the sport isn't like go to the plate and hit a home run. That's all that matters. Like the goal, like sometimes the goal is a home run. You're down two, you got a home run hitter at the plate. 
try to pop one out, walk off, and win the game, right? Aaron Judge has come to the plate, 60 homers on the season. That's like a spectacular year. That's one of the highest totals ever. That's one of the highest non-steroid totals ever. It's an unbelievable number of home runs, but 60 in 150-some-odd games. Like, that is – that's the number that we bow to, right? And everybody's treating Judge now like – oh, great home run hitter Aaron Judge. Like, you got to hit one every game. You got to maybe – you could hit two every game. Like, they're treating him like he could be like, well, 60 is nice, but you, they're basically saying, like, you should have 300. Like, based on the amount we think you should homer. Like, you got oh, you got to break the rec. You got to break 61 in this Red Sox series. You got to hit two today or one today, one tomorrow. It's like, that's not how it works. Nobody's ever hit a home run per game over the course of their career. Judges, not breaking news here, also chasing the triple crown – so we're in a situation where he leads the league in RBI and batting average, and he gets on base all the time. Not the kind of guy who you can just laser focus, stare down from the stands and be like, hit a homer, hit a homer, hit a homer, hit a homer. Oh, he spat on a 3-2 breaking ball. You suck. Like, no, it's talent. Like, the, the 3-2 changeup he took from Brian Bayo and the 2-2 changeup uh, in the at-bat where he worked from 0-2 to 3-2 and then walked. It's an incredible job, an unbelievable eye. He's not chasing, you know, changes low and out of the zone. What do you want him to do there? But also, what do you want Bayo to do there? Abandon his changeup? Go with the fastball down the middle? Judd had, as far as I could tell, you know, he fouled off straight back a couple of pitches that he could have gotten yard with on, on Friday and Saturday. But there was no glaring moment when it was like, oh, that was a home run. But then it wasn't. He floated one in medium deep left field against Rich Hill, whatever. There was just the Matt Barnes at bat in the first game where he hit a ball with exit velocity and trajectory and launch angle where it's almost guaranteed to be a home run. It happened eight times before that judge swing with those exact metrics in the StatCast era. Seven of them went out. And then judges was the second of nine to not go out. Is that his fault? So to blame him for that? The balls, like the judge commemorative balls, aren't rubbed up in the same way. Uh, Nick Pavetta was saying, of course they're not, because they're like these weird, like, I don't know, pearl, you know, milestone balls. They don't feel quite the same. Maybe they don't, you know, maybe there's something missing from a normal MLB ball. So I don't even think that's a conspiracy theory to say that, like, these fresh balls maybe don't travel as far. Who knows? I certainly don't know. But Judge had one shot in that first game, and he did all he could to Homer, and it didn't go out. No moment in the second and third game where I'm like, ah, that was it. And then there was the hanging Bayo slider yesterday where he just flat out missed it, popped it up instead of handing it out. Like, so in four games where every time he steps to the plate, people are standing, applauding, and then shutting up and stealing the air from the stadium with a vacuum during his at-bat. So it's dead silent, which is conditions under which he's never played before. And then he doesn't homer again with that, like with only two real like missed opportunities that I can pinpoint over the course of these four games. I don't know what people are expecting of him. This isn't a home run derby. This isn't a sport where, uh, you know, a a home run hitter has to hit a home run every time it comes up or else it's a failure. That's not how this works. And also these are important games. The Yankees were getting closer to clinching the East with every one of these games. Imagine if judge had gone to the plate in some of these scenarios where he walked and in some of these scenarios where he doubled. And was like, I, I'm going to hit a home run. I refuse to not hit a ball out of the – I'm either striking out or homering. I refuse to get on base. I'm not doing this. Like, imagine if he had taken a win off the board by putting up a terrible at-bat in the middle of a rally. Like, you just 
you can't be the kind of person who is putting this sort of onus on Aaron Judge. And and yeah, there were 15 games to break it and tie it. Now there are only 10 left. And now he's going on the road to Toronto. And I know, I understand. It's it's frustrating to everybody who wanted to see history come this easily. I don't know if everybody agrees with me. I personally, if he were stuck on 59, I'd be a bit more nervous here. He's stuck on 60. 60 is Babe Ruth. 60 is rarefied air. Regardless, if the the worst case scenario happens where we don't get to 61 or we don't get to 62, we've crossed the 60 threshold and the game where he hit 60 was an unbelievable moment at home. Also, this road trip is three games long. They're coming right back for three games against the Orioles who are still threatening the wild card race and are going to be, you know, they're not going to give judge cookies and their pitching is good, but three more home games in the regular season. And then they go to the band box in Texas, which would be a weird place to do it, but it'll have four prime opportunities due to, to do it there. Maybe three, there's a double header in there. They're definitely not going to start Aaron judge in two of those games. So you hope he's already at 61 or 62 at that point. He's only playing one game that day. Maybe he pinch hits folks. I just don't know, but the Barnes AB was close. The Bayo AB yesterday, he missed a slider. Then the rain took an at-bat away from him. And, and maybe they don't even wait out that delay if the umpire calls Oswald Peraza's at-bat correctly. That was a ball way off the outside corner on two strikes. Judge was on deck. Umpire just was like, let me get the tarp out here. I'm bored of this. The Yankees are already up 2-0. I, I already bungled it. I let Rob Refsnyder drop a fly ball because I don't know what rain is. And I, I like ESPN was in my ear telling me I'm not allowed to cancel the game or, or whatever the hell. Um, but yeah, he, he rings up Peraza on a ball. That's way off the plate. Rob's judge of his final shot yesterday. Um, I don't know if I've, I would have been furious at ESPN if they had dragged that out for another hour, drained the moat of the outfield. Um, like if you, if you saw the, I mean, forget about the constantly falling rain. Just look at the, look at the ground and tell me they're supposed to play on that afterwards. One of these teams, I could be as insane, you know, I, I'm a crazy person. There were flags in the World Series logo this year. I thought the Red Sox were going to make the playoffs up until the literal second they were eliminated. But bottom line last night, one of those teams was not playoff bound. They were, it, it, it would have taken an 11-game Red Sox winning streak starting last night, an 11-game Seattle Mariners losing streak. That was not happening. Uh, so one of these teams was playoff bound. The other was not. One of these teams had, whether you're playoff bound or not, there's serious injury risks there telling Rob Ref Snyder, hey, congrats on a breakout year. You're hitting 300. You have a 140 OPS plus with the Red Sox. Hope you like running and slop around the right field wall and tearing your ACL in the middle of a meaningless seventh inning game just so we can get Aaron Judge one more pop out. Like it was very embarrassing that we even waited as long as we did when Alex Cora and uh, Aaron Boone were hugging it out at the end. And all the tweets started coming out that were like, Boone and Cora are hugging on the field. No official announcement yet. Oh, they're taking the helmets and bats away, but still no official announcement. It was like, are you guys fucking serious? Like, everybody's tweeting out hints. People are leaving the stadium. Make the fucking announcement. And then, of course, it finally comes. But it really felt like they were going to stretch uh, these two teams to the limit with, again, you know, the Yankees haven't clinched yet. They're pretty close, but this Blue Jays series still matters. And you're keeping them there till 11 p.m. in stasis mode. Uh, very embarrassing thing just for MLB to what maybe get a shot at history with a two thirds empty stadium with Aaron Judge batting and and you know who knows what the score is at the bottom of everybody the everybody in bed everybody in bed nobody in the stadium uh, the Yankees have already blown like you said three nothing lead in the sixth <clears throat> inning of the first game four one lead in the sixth inning of the I think it was the seventh and then the sixth four one lead in the yeah. second one. 
uh, 5-3 lead late in the third one, including a 5-4 lead that Alex Verdugo tied up before the the Yankees somehow won all three of those games. That's how you know it's not the Red Sox here. But 2-0 entering the top of the seventh and a giant rain delay ruining everybody's life and schedule. I'm Clark Schmidt warming up for the third time in four days. He's coming in and blowing that. I'll tell you that much for sure. Uh, so the only reason the Red Sox are officially eliminated today is because MLB wised up, canceled that puppy. Uh, and sorry you didn't get one last Aaron Judge at that. But what misguided nonsense trying to turn history into this waterlogged uh, non-event. And, you know, what, Judge get 15 at-bats earlier in the series? He didn't homer. What do you think he's going to homer in the bottom of the seventh all of a sudden just because you waited it out? He can't turn it on and turn it off like a faucet. And that's, I guess, the whole thesis here. Yeah. And it's say, uh, hey, if you're excited about Judge uh... – Getting it this week, um, or, or this series against Toronto, he's uh, he's better on the road than he is at home. Yes, he is. A Seventeen average, uh, higher OPS by uh, what's that? Sixty points, sixty-three points. Um, same amount of home runs on the road at and at home. So can't use the Yankee Stadium excuse. Sadly, uh, haters Man. are punching air. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at. Um, this in general, and you couldn't have asked for a more elevated situation. Yankees, Red Sox at Yankee Stadium, Judge at 60, Roger Maris's family there every day, celebrities showing up, Judge getting hyped up on social media by everybody who, uh, you know, famous people who like him or have a relationship with him. So stakes were high. It didn't happen. You can't expect it to happen. Sorry. Uh, moving on to uh, more immature Yankees, um, on Friday night, and thank God I missed this inning because I went to go pick up my pizza at a late Friday pizza night. Um, Garrett Cole pitching against the Red Sox. You think, you think for one time he's actually going to get unscathed uh, top of the sixth. Uh, somehow lets Alex Verdugo get the best of him. Um, and you could probably better document this for me because I didn't see the entire inning. I just saw the Verdugo at bat because that kept going viral. Um, based on the pitch that Cole thought caught the zone, but didn't. And then Verdugo had some shit to say anyway, because um, he's kind of a punk. Um, but the ump was supposedly not making great calls in that inning all around. Um, yeah, it, it was more of a whole game thing. Yeah, it was more of a whole game thing. It's like, it, it wasn't the worst umpiring I've ever seen. I, you know, there's it's it's crazy when you're like power, you're looking at a four game series and you're like power ranking what the worst umpired game was. And you're like, well, three of them were bad. One was good. I don't even like, it was bad the whole time. Uh, Rich Hill was getting the veteran benefit of the doubt. And he was bending in those like sidearm curveballs. He kept hitting the top of the zone. He would be like three or four inches high. And the umpire would just be like, that pitch was cool. Like that's a go. Let's do it. Um, and so Cole, like, I don't know. I mean, he was, dominant he, he put runners on base in the fifth he got out of it with a double play uh he had a 4-1 lead because of some questionable red sox defense as a, a running theme the red sox defense is, is dreadful they're in last place for 72 and 80 oops yeah. you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah, and they had two guys on, two out. Uh, one, two, he was like, he was doing a lot of change-ups in the dirt, a lot of non-competitive pitches. It was kind of a weird inning, weird couple innings. You know, a lot of, uh, we talked the other day about how like his season turned around when he started doing, pitching off the fastball up like he had in Houston, but then the fastball was getting drilled. People were guessing, right? So it was time to maybe make an adjustment. His adjustment was change-ups down. Most of them were getting spat on, but one, two to Alex Verdugo, first and second, two outs, he misses the bottom corner of the zone but like misses it by the least you possibly can. So clearly he he wants this call. He doesn't get it. And I think the ump made the right call, but you do wonder why the home ACE can't get a third of an inch off the bottom corner of the plate. And the visiting struggling 45 year old man can get three, four five inches at the top of the zone, just because he's like bending down and being weird. And, And what did Hunter Pence call it? Like the, sidearm loopy do curve or whatever in that egregious apple tv curve or something like just because he's being fun he gets a couple inches at the top of the zone but cole can't get the bottom of the zone that said normal man moves on from not getting that call people have not gotten calls before and there have also been far worse non-calls than this and and again for all the haters and losers it was a ball it missed the plate Right, he it wanted was. the strike. He didn't get the call. It wasn't on the plate. Uh, and then, very predictably, the very next pitch was high velocity, but middle middle fastball. Alex Verdugo hits high velocity. Everybody hits middle middle fastballs, and then tie ball. Yeah, I mean, it was a good uh, it was a good swing by Alex Verdugo, who was the guy was created to beat the Yankees. Tristan Casas, yeah. same thing. Guys just created to beat the Yankees. Won't pro- probably won't do anything else. Um, but is Tristan hey, Casas hitting over 100 yet? By the way, I haven't even looked. I just I he hit a home run against the Yankees, and I was like, yeah, classic, classic yeah, stuff. He hit a couple. Yeah, he hit a couple. Um, but anyway, <laughs> funny enough, um, for that Friday night game, you know, Cole complaining about the umps, which you know, I'll go on a little bit of a rant on him. Um, Yankees in that game actually were benefited by one run based on the inconsistent umpiring behind home plate. 
Um, there were uh, numerous instances. It was mostly with the bullpen um, where the Red Sox had runners on um, and were either robbed of um, uh, a ball uh, when they were at bat or a strike when they were pitching, um, which directly resulted in one run for the Yankees. So I'll take any win where I can get it. Um, but it's just more evidence, really, in the essence of this conversation of how this can't happen with Garrett Cole. Um, far, far too many times. And I don't know Garrett Cole personally. He probably doesn't care to ever know me, and that's also fine. Um, but Garrett Cole is the ace, supposed ace, paid like an ace of the New York Yankees and consistently does not act it, whether it be – playing where he certainly does not, he, he does not execute on the part um, or um, uh, behavior attitude um, uh, messaging wise. Uh, for example, when he's talking with the media, um, you all saw him stumble over the spider tack thing, which was absolutely embarrassing. You saw him stumble, stumble across a question about why Rafael Devers is kind of kicking his ass back and back when we were uh, in Fenway and he had another bad start against them. Um, just stands there in silence and says, um, 40 times, and then has the worst response that you've ever heard where he's repeating himself or stumbling over his words. Either way, it's embarrassing. Then you have this year, the Billy Crystal incident on opening day, the first fucking moment the season started, there was a meltdown on his corner. You have the Ah. moment in Tampa when he has G-Man Choi on a, on a three, two count or on a two, two count, there was a borderline strike again, just like yet, just like Friday, where it could have gone either way, but technically, based on the square on the screen on the screen that we all swear by, it was a ball, and he flipped out, got got visibly angry, got visibly shaken, and then gives up the game tying and and go ahead runs in that raise game. You have visibly him- shaken, literally shaking, shaking, literally shaking. Um, then you have the game against Toronto um, earlier this month or the end of August. I don't remember the exact date where end of August. Get- yeah, kind of got squeezed on a couple of calls against the bottom of the Jays lineup, and instead of attacking the hitters, he ends up walking the nine, uh, walking the eight hitter, and giving up a hit to the nine hitter, and then it opens the floodgates for uh, what ended up being one of the most embarrassing losses of the Yankee season. Um, you have the delay in the Angels game where the fan ran on the field or whatever the hell happened, and he was just out there staring at the fan, waiting for the situation to get resolved, and then melts down moments later. So, and then you have. Friday night, where Garrett Cole, I think, this is my take as a Yankees fan, um, the outbursts are making a mockery of the Yankees. And it was further, and forget about the viral clips that came out of this. If you're a Garrett Cole supporter, and hey, look, I'm all about the passion argument. Um, You want to tell the ump to fuck off? Awesome. You want to blow up on somebody? That's great. There's a time and place for that. Um, And... Uh, Garrett Cole getting squeezed out of that call in the top of the six when he had four runs of support and a three-run lead is not really one of those times. And then even worse, why does this make the Yankee? Why does this make a mockery of the Yankees? Because then you have Alex Verdugo in the post game, who otherwise wouldn't have said a fucking word if Garrett Cole doesn't go on an outburst and get ejected um, to complain about this ball being a third of an inch off the plate. Has some has some uh, trash to talk. Quote. Per the pitch and and on Garrett Cole's outburst, the pitch, it wasn't even close. Garrett Cole can complain all he wants. The goal of this game is to throw the ball over the white plate. He gets a lot of pitches outside the zone, and yeah, he wanted it. Big pitch, big situation, he wanted it, but the umpire got the call right. First of all, 
Verdugo's right. The call was made. It was correct. We all saw it. It was off the plate. Could it didn't have, could it have been a strike? Yes. If we're talking about centimeters, it's a borderline call. Then again, wasn't even close. Okay, Alex. He can complain all he wants. Sure, Alex. He gets pitches all the time off the zone called. Where is that evidence? I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. There's any consistent one pitcher in the league that gets generous generous calls outside the zone. I mean, I'm sure every pitcher does because there are bad umpires that call stuff outside the zone. But once again, making the Yankees susceptible to these types of embarrassing headlines after a win. This was a win. This was a victory for the Yankees, who went up 2-0 in the series. Needed one more win to win the series. Needed two more wins to eliminate the Red Sox from the postseason, which they did. And for some reason on Friday, we're talking about Garrett Cole yelling at the umpire, getting booted out of the game, and Alex Verdugo somehow gaining the upper hand in this argument by talking the shit back. So this is why these types of things are frustrating because, one, they get nothing done. The only Cole outburst this year was when he charged out of the dugout and started talking trash to Alec Manoa for hitting Aaron Judge. Um and it just makes for more viral. Like, if Garrett Cole does Garrett Cole not have social media? Does he not pay attention to social media? Does he not understand the consequences of social media? The guy is going to continue to be memed, be made fun of, et cetera, et cetera, as long as this keeps happening. If he doesn't care, that's fine. That God bless the guy if he doesn't care. Um, but he needs to know he's he's giving every hater, every anti-Yankee fan, um, even the worst kinds of Yankees fans, the fuel to continue to criticize him and make a mockery of the Yankees. And this situation just encapsulated all of it because now that this has to be the cherry on, this has to be the end of it because we've seen it from start to finish. There's two weeks left in the season. If this happens in the postseason, the, the Yankees cannot do this in the postseason because any meltdown or anything that goes outside of their kind of uh, out, outside of the path that they're trying to establish the rhythm that they're trying to, to establish, it's going to be another early exit. And Garrett Cole has far too many times either taken the Yankees off that path or have, or has created another path of destruction for them, whether it be in the media or whether it be a meltdown on the field. So um, I know it's tough for Garrett Cole because he seemingly can't get through outings where there's even the most minute of interruptions or obstacles, but this has to be it. This has to be the end. It was a good end to it. You got your freak out. You screamed at the umps. You got booted. It was Yankees, Red Sox. You still got the win. Be done with it, please. And think of the pomp and circumstance in the postseason. The My Yankees God. have not. The Yankees have not had time to rest and reset since 2019, when they were running on fumes. Anyway, like 2017 wild card game, 2016 missed playoffs, 2015 wild card game, 2014 missed playoffs, 2013 missed playoffs, uh, 2012 they they had a uh, you know they they had time to get right. Wow, really missed 2012. Wow. 2017, they're hanging by a thread. They win the wild card race. They have to win the wild card game. 2018, win the wild card game again. Go right to Fenway Park. Obviously, that did not end well. People told Luis Severino the wrong time, and the game is going to start. Overall, terrible. 2019, they did have some time to, you know, drink some water, get your electrolytes up, figure out your day to day. Um, but then when the series started, there were a bunch of injured people. Like they just didn't have a full team that year. Like Giancarlo Stanton was coming back from injury and eventually left the ALCS with injury. Uh, you know, Mike Talkman's out. <laughs> There's they're missing basically everybody that season. They don't go into the postseason with the team they intended to have. 2020, Garrett Cole's first year. Uh, the playoffs are insane. There's nobody in the stadium. He's really good in Cleveland. He's pretty good against Tampa in San Diego. I can't believe I'm even talking about the 2020 playoffs. That Come on. 
that, that tells us absolutely nothing about Garrett Cole's well, potential postseason uh, ability to, to battle as, as a Yankee. He did a good job with the Guardians uh, that, that fall. And he went on short rest in game five of the DS and gave up a big game time home run to Austin Meadows where Aaron Judge didn't know what the wall felt like and rammed his head into the underside of some padding. Completely irrelevant. Last season, no time to reset. No time to get right. Fenway Park, you lose. The season is over. So this is a huge postseason for Garrett Cole. We literally have one example of him making a playoff start as a Yankee with people in the stands. And it was terrible. So this is your chance. Uh, People were rightfully pointing out, rightfully pointing out this week. And I will get, you are correct for saying this. That Garrett Cole has allowed four earned runs in his each of his last three starts. Uh, the Red Sox, obviously not who you want to do that to. The Brewers on the road. Uh, he's floundering a little bit, right? People aren't feeling positive about what Garrett Cole's doing. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Luis Castillo doing the same thing. Basically the same number of earned runs allowed. We were doing this comparison with the Frankie Montas too. Because it was like his last four starts to sell like 14 earned runs. Yankees fans acting like he's the worst pitcher on earth. Jordan Montgomery, just as bad. Castillo, just as bad. Jacob deGrom did what Cole did against solid offenses and did it against the A's this weekend. Like, right, bad stuff happens to every pitcher. I know, I know, I know, I get it. And Cole can shrug all this off with one good postseason. But we haven't had a good postseason yet, and the circumstances have never been this good. Yeah. 2020, 2020, he was good. There was nobody there. Nobody watching. Not that tough to perform in front of your wife and 16 other people. 2021 Fenway Park adverse conditions, home runs galore. He's out of the game very quickly. This year is the year. Cole's season this season, very similar to CC Sabathia in 09, where like great year, bunch of stinkers. Uh, they weren't memorable in 2009 because he was part of a three man rotation that bucked up and won the World Series. Can Garrett Cole do the same thing? Because we're feeling good about the Yankees right now. 78 winning streak, 94 58 in the year when it looked like they might not even cross 90 wins a couple weeks ago weren't sure if the Orioles were going to pass them. They clinched a playoff berth at the very start of this series. Things are looking up. That said, going to need to have a 9 CC Sabathia-type postseason run with the rotation unsettled. Montas not going to be a part of it. The bullpen unsettled. We don't have a closer. There's been no year with a more obvious opportunity for Aroldis Chapman to get right and take a roll out of the pen, and yet he's not going to do it. All we need is that 9 CC run from Garrett Cole. We'll forget all of this, but I had no reason to think it's going to happen. And again, when the first pitch in the playoffs takes 10 minutes because it's, I don't know, some 1950s surviving Yankee, you know, Yogi Berra's backup, Charlie Cervera, walking to the mound with a walker and rolling the ball to home plate. Like, what's Garrett Cole going to do after that happens? <laughs> the national anthem is 35 minutes long. It's It's Hugh Jackman in the cast of – uh, you know, whenever he's on with Sutton Foster, he's on Broadway <laughs> with the music man. You got the whole cast, of the music man coming out to do the uh, national anthem. Like what's Cole going to react to there? I, I just don't know. I, I just yeah. don't know. And the um, fact of the matter is here with, look, you want to, you want to, you want to go back and look at Cole's ejection and be like, Hey, he was at 103 pitches. He was coming out of the game anyway. So he yeah. was getting his money worth. Okay, sure. Understood. But this is not an isolated incident. Um, this ha- this is something that's fairly consistent with him um, where he is easily rattled or somebody gets under his skin and then he's unable to get back on track. And truth be told, folks, you just look at the numbers. This is re- 
he has given up the most home runs in the American League, and the only person ahead of him is Josiah Gray, who is what second year in the bigs. He was the he was one of those uh, uh, trade pieces that went uh, from the Dodgers to the Nationals in the Max Scherzer Trey Turner deal. Um, this is his this is his first full season starting. He has he has the the only the only person with more home runs than Garrett Cole. Um, and you look at Garrett Cole's overall overall numbers. His 3.49 ERA and his 3.48 FIP stand to be the worst since his 2017 season with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So once again, not he was not signed to have a Pittsburgh Pirates year with the New York Yankees. That was not that was not the goal. The goal was to buck up, pitch like you did in Houston, or at least the semblance of it, um, and be the top of the rotation guy who would influence other guys or would have impact on games that only a few other players and pitchers in MLB would have. And it's so far from that. Um, and it's only been two postseasons, right? It's only been two. Cole's got plenty of time to rewrite this. We go on a run this year. Even if I, I'd even go as far to say if Cole gets us to win the AL, I think it's, I don't even think we're, I don't even think we give a shit about half the yeah. stuff that happened this year or the stuff that's happened in years past. And all it takes is something that it, 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 on the surface is a little bit simple. Like team just goes on a run and just pitch well. Like you did it in Houston for you know two postseasons. Yeah, you, you had you had a couple of bad moments, but largely you you, you perform well. So there's an, the Yankees have the second best offense in MLB. He's going to get the run support. I know in some starts he hasn't gotten run support, um, but that's kind of changed more times than not over the season. He's put the Yankees in a hole. Then he has not gotten run support. Um, so this has nothing to do with us just being mad because Garrett Cole's not getting the job done in singular game not only is he not doing that more times than not but now he's pitching like a number two a borderline number two because i think a number two probably in this day and age has better than a 3.49 era 3.48 fip um his strikeouts are commendable 244 to 188 in the thirds innings but uh it doesn't matter when you're 12 and 7 he's 12 and 7 behind the second best offense in the league Nestor Cortez, like, I, I, I he's not going to start game one, right? No. And we'll, I'm sure we'll have this discussion next week. But yeah. he's not going to start game one. It's widely accepted fact he's not going to start game one. And I get it. However, lowest ERA through 27 starts in Yankees history since the DH was established in 73. Ron Guidry, 177 and 78. Nestor Cortez, 256 in 2022. This year, the second best in the modern era with the DH added. Four games with five-plus innings pitch and one hit or fewer allowed this season for Nestor. Most by any pitcher in Yankees history. He's making Yankees history. And he's he's not going to get that first start because he's not somebody that you counted on before the season started. But who are you more confident in day-to-day? You know what Nestor Cortez is giving you, which is crazy because he's Mr. Unpredictable with the different arm angles and different leg kicks and stuff. But all these pitching accolades, best since Gidry in 78, and I know the Yankees aren't really known for their pitching, but that's Clemens, that's Pettit, Messina, CeCe, Cole's first couple years, Reggetti, Gidry's next decade, he didn't do it again. Like, it's Gidry and then Nestor. And in that, you know, five-plus innings, one hit or fewer allowed, it's just Nestor. No one's ever done that before. So Cole's getting game one, Nestor's getting game two, I guess. I'm sure, but there's a chance we all look at the back on that and go, really? We're just so rigid. We have to get Garrett Cole that opener. Come on. Yeah. Um, in, 
in uh, in danger of fully lighting the discourse on fire. We'll save that for another yeah. time. Let's more happier times here. Uh, if we can get rid of a Yankee that we don't want and is not on, yeah. it's is not really a piece for the postseason. Or this Chapman. Joel Sherman reported over the weekend that the Yankees have at least considered DFAing him. Um, you and I talked about this at length. Um, would we be happy to see Aroldis Chapman go? Yeah. I mean, we've been asking for it for, I think, a year now. Um, is this timing bizarre and kind of senseless and misplaced? Yeah. I mean, if there's a time ever when the Yankees need as much bullpen help or just guys present, it's right now. Um, because various people are unreliable. Various people need to eat innings regardless of the circumstance. If you have Garrett Cole putting you in a hole constantly, a guy who should not be doing that, you're going to need more bullpen arms to pick up the slack. Garrett Cole start should be alleviating the bullpen. They are not doing that. Um, so now you're in a situation where your bullpen is not well-rested. That's number one. Number two, your bullpen is not good. Um, number three, your bullpen is very injured. Um from uh, from a, a, I think overall, you know, you look at the season-ending injuries, you look at the guys who are still coming back and looking to get up to speed. This bullpen's not healthy. Um, we still don't know what, what's going on with Clay Holmes, whether that's a resulting back-shoulder thing or if it's actually the release point. Um, Scott Efros has only thrown, what, one inning since coming yes. off the I.L.? He closed um, a game in his yeah. return to baseball. Zach yep. Britton got a chance. Zach Britton Bad. got a chance. Didn't look good. Lou Trevino is being overused, in my opinion, um, but that's just because he's been fairly reliable since the trade deadline, so Aaron Boone doesn't really have a choice. Um, you go down the list. Clark Schmidt used in good situations, used in garbage situations lately. I don't know what their deal is with him. Ron Marinaccio has not been having a great run of it lately. Um, Jonathan Lewisaga, in my opinion, regardless of what the stats say over the last month since the beginning of August, still doesn't look like himself, still is susceptible to making innings a lot more stressful than they need need to be, If correct me if I'm wrong. That's how it's felt walk, watching him. Lucas Litke was a guy who was a DFA candidate, despite his stats kind of being good, um, uh, but him maybe not really taking on a big role in the postseason, so there was – there was some thought behind either him getting traded at the deadline or him getting DFA to make space for somebody else. But here we are. Everyone's here. Chapman's here and back. He's still bad, but now we're considering DFAing him when you could have just did it in July when his season was, you know, his, his, his awful season was cresting into being the worst it could possibly be. You could have just done it then. You could have got maybe another bullpen arm at the deadline. You could have cleared a roster spot and made life easier for maybe promoting prospects earlier. And now you're going to do it on maybe September 30th. For what reason? I don't know. It seems dumb. Wandy Peralta got hurt. Wandy Peralta hurt. It's a bizarre Yankees bullpen. And that's why it's so funny because it's a prime opportunity for Chapman to step up. He just can't. It's not that he won't. He can't. It's not good. Doesn't have it. Can't hack it. Sorry. Uh, wish he could. He can't. Like, but of all the years where, like, you don't want to enter the postseason with Chapman, this is easily the one where if he were on and if he were coming off like a 13 inning streak with 17 Ks, four walks, and one blown save, and everything else was clean, he'd be entering the playoffs as the de facto closer again. He would have won his job back. And there was a stretch in the middle of the season where he was 
back where he was suddenly like the most trusted member of a non-trustworthy bullpen. Do you even remember this? It's unclear. Like it's been, it's been a while, but it hasn't been that long. He was scoreless from July 26th to August 13th. Yeah. Which was uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine and a third innings over nine outings. An Is inning that and a third. Impressive? No, it's absolutely not that impressive. But there was a time when we were eating crow, not permanent crow, but he started this stretch after allowing three earned runs in a third of an inning against the Orioles in the game where they were blowing out Baltimore, then had to use Michael King, and then King's elbow blew out. And everyone was like, that was when the peak of Chapman hate crested. Because it was like, you suck, and you took away our pitcher who's better than you. And you super suck. And, and there was also a part of this season early where uh, I'll whisper and then say it loudly. Earl's Chapman didn't have an ERA until May 11th. He didn't have an ERA until May 11th. There was a game against Toronto where he loaded the bases with no outs. And then Michael King came and cleaned up the damage. But his ERA was 0.00, oh, yeah. 0 until he allowed yeah. the first earned run of the season on May 11th in a 5-3 win over the Jays to, to bring it up to 0-7-9. His FIP at that point was 3-1-2. Woof. Then the earned runs started piling up, et cetera. It got to the point where after that Orioles game, his ERA was 5-7-5, and his FIP was 5-8-2. But then a shutout inning against the Mets. Shutout inning against the Royals. Shutout inning against the Royals. Clean innings against both. Of, like He didn't allow a base runner in any of those. Three innings, four Ks. One inning, one hit, one K against Seattle. One inning, one walk, nothing against St. Louis. One inning, one hit, one K against Seattle again. One inning, one hit, nothing against Seattle again. One inning, two Ks, nothing against Boston. One and a third innings, two Ks, and the pickoff against Boston. The narrative is starting to dwell. Not only is he on the comeback trail, but you can trust him again. Two Fenway games in there, and people are going, ah, counting out Chapman a little soon. Clay Holmes blew a save earlier in this series. Maybe it's time for Chapman to reclaim everything. Francisco Mejia game, the Josh Donaldson Grand Slam game. He stinks again, falls apart. Toronto gives up a run. Then he has a tattoo infection, and it all disintegrates from there. The opportunity is ahead of him. They keep giving him opportunities. Up nine with 10 left. Guarantee he gets in the game tonight, probably. They need to know what they have in scare quotes before the playoffs start. They need to know. It's what Joel Sherman said. The piece, if they can get his confidence right before the playoffs begins, even if they do, you know, it's not permanent. That's really all I have to say about it. Like, even if he goes four more shutout innings over the last 10 games of the season, strikes out a bunch, I mean, what is possibly the indicator that he's going to carry it over to the postseason? He never does. He absolutely never does. And, uh, I mean, the only problem here is the DFAing him. Like, is that just ceremonial? Like, the Sherman article was good. It said he's. It said a reunion is not going to happen for next year. Great. Set off the joy buzzers. Like, that's all I really needed to know. I don't want him back next year, and I'm glad that people are acknowledging that and saying, hey, he ain't coming back. Great. Perfect. That's enough information for me on a roll as Chapman. Don't put him on the playoff roster. You don't need a 40-man spot right now. What does a DFA accomplish on September 26th? Just don't use him on the playoff roster. Who cares? But what what DFA now instead of DFAing all summer long when people are talking about, oh, man, there's too many people on this 40-man. We can't possibly finagle Steven Ridings and, 
and Marinaccio and, and like, we got to keep sending Clark Schmidt down. You DFA him then. You don't need to DFA him now. I agree. Um, maybe the DFA will just be like, hey, done with the relationship and you don't have to really – I don't know if Chapman is an ego guy, but, like, he would at that point he wouldn't have to deal with being left off the postseason roster. I think he might be an ego guy. I'm He's not probably, positive. I just don't know for sure, man. I'm just he drives like a lamb. He drives like a Lambo to spring training yeah. every year or whatever. I think well, he drives a tank to fucking spring training every year. Um, but yeah, I don't, maybe that's just it. It's like DFA him now. You don't have to be left off the postseason roster. I don't know what's more embarrassing being DFA'd right now or being left off the postseason roster when there's a bullpen in shambles. Honestly, yeah. it's kind of level playing field for me. Um, but yeah, uh, there's still just some concern to be had. I love that the Yankees are winning games. Um, it's making me feel good. Um, however, you know, October baseball is just so much more different than what we're seeing now. Um, and the Yankees have stayed afloat against solid competition. Um, it hasn't been anything to sneeze at. There's no reason to discredit them in any sense. They keep punching back. You know, you look at this Red Sox series, they blew leads in every game. And they came back in every game, uh, in the first three games, I'm sorry, and won all those games. Um, so they're getting the job done. But can you do that against the Blue Jays in the playoffs? I'm not so sure. Can you do it against the Astros? You cannot. Um, you could even sit here and think, can you do it against the Guardians? I mean, the Yankees usually have their way with Cleveland, but this Cleveland team's pretty freaking good. And they have – they have stuff in all corners of the roster. They don't really have – they don't have any part of the roster where the wheels have fallen off, you know. They have a league average offense in terms of runs scored per game, but, like, the bullpen's good. The starting rotation is good. The fucking top of the lineup and middle of the lineup is good. Like, the bottom of their lineup is shit, but, like, everything here is solid. The Yankees have inconsistencies and deficiencies in more places than you would really feel comfortable talking about. Um, so that's why we're worrying looking ahead to the postseason. But guess what? I'm going to enjoy the four-game sweep. I'm going to enjoy the remainder of this week. Series win in Toronto. I think that changes the tune. Maybe bullpen tidies things up. We're not that worried going into next week. You finish off the season against inferior competition. O's, solid. Love what I'm seeing from the O's, but Yankees should handle that. Rangers suck. Please just kick their ass. Ride with the correct momentum. Um, but, you know, you take care of business for the blue, with the Blue Jays right now. You show them who's top dog set the tone for the playoffs. God forbid you run into the Blue Jays and, you know, hey, man, we kicked your ass in the regular season. What's the difference now? We're just going to do it when the calendar turns. It's not going to be that hard. Um, so I think that's kind of where, you know, we're just looking ahead to every single series, trying to compute things as they come through. But Red Sox series, good and bad, in my opinion. The results were great, but you're still feeling some sort of way. Um, I love that we ended Boston season. I think that's a narrative here that we kind of need to um, appreciate more and embrace more. We ended the 2022 Red Sox. They're a bad team. They didn't really deserve to be on the field with upper competition this year. Um, even when they gave, think about like all of the celebratory moments Red Sox fans had because they thought they ruined the Yankees at one point. A couple of walk-off mm-hmm. wins at Fenway. Oh, we broke, we broke X or we broke Y or, you know, the Yankees are in shambles because they lost to us. Um, now your season's done at the hands of the Yankees. All you have to cling on to is opposite field singles from Alex Verdugo at Fenway, breaking Clay home. So I'm glad you guys got to enjoy that. Um, we got two more games till we clinch the AL East. 
Um, and then we have bigger things to take care of after that. Um, but try, let's try to enjoy every step of it. We're going to minimize the overlooking here that we're going to do, but um, it all merits conversation. But right now, we'll end it here. Sweep of the Red Sox, magic number two, playoff berth is here. Kick Toronto's ass. That's it. That's it. Remember when uh, the Red Sox did all that excessive celebrating in the early July series when they split? Oh, yeah. And and cut the AL East deficit from 14 <laughs> down to 14. You guys remember how much fun the Red Sox fans were having at this point? Now we're the in the Teflon. Before. Yeah, we're in the Teflon part of the season. We're in the, like, uh, ooh, my team, ooh, doesn't matter, sadly. Didn't care. This is the most important offseason in Red Sox history. Okay, great. Other than the ones that like delivered the 86 year curse breaking title. But yeah, this one's really fucking important. Um, Boston fans think they're the center of everything today. They are, you are the center of everything today. You've been eliminated. So we are talking about you. Um, I was, I promised uh, a Mia Culpa on the flag stuff that I, after I talked up the flag conspiracy and how the same flags have been on the world series logo in 2004, 2007, 2013, and other flags on the side of 2018 logo, and last year they were in all the logos up until the World Series, so I predicted that the Red Sox were going to go all the way to the ALCS and then lose for the World Series, and they did. Well, this year, flags are in the World Series logo, the good flags, the same ones from 04, 07, 13, very scary. And I said, you know, I, I mean, this year's Red Sox team's not good, but I can't shake the flag. Like, they, they haven't lied to me yet, right? Flags have never steered me wrong, so I just assume they're going to win the World Series. There's no evidence to it. And then the Mariners all they have to do to eliminate the Red Sox and playoff contention is hold an 11 2 lead in the fucking six yesterday. And they don't do it. And then I'm like, I don't think it literally, I did have the moment to myself on the couch yesterday where I was like, I don't think a single Red Sox fan on earth is still thinking about this. Like literally, I think I am the only one and I, and I hate them and I'm not a fan. Like, I don't think there's a Red Sox fan on the planet who was like cheering for the Mariners to blow that lead and was like, we're still alive. Yeah, let's go. Like it literally was just me, but act of God, Started it in 2004, ended it now. The rain officially canceled the Red Sox season. I hope, I really, really do, that they go on a 10-game winning streak to end this year. Ruin their draft pick, get to 82 and 80. That would be a sweep of the Jays, too. That would be fun for me. Sweep of the Rays going into the playoffs. I would enjoy that. Uh, So best of luck to the Boston Red Sox. You are eliminated. And I know I promised you saying, like, the flags weren't real. Like, I would come on and be like, you got me. The flags weren't real sadly i think they're realer than ever I actually went back and forth on this and i think mlb heard me last year saw the conspiracy video and then we're like he's on to us let's let's unrig the season and let's give him a flag zero the red sox suck so uh memo to the haters and losers i'm deeper than ever i unfortunately think it's it's now it's realer than it was before and uh but most importantly whether you believe in the conspiracy or not the red sox are fucking bye-bye get out of here go home uh on to football season. Brian Hoyer going to Green Bay this weekend. Should be a great showdown. And the Boston Celtics uh, stacked roster, stable coaching staff. So really good, uh, really good stuff in that building. No misconduct whatsoever. So you guys should be in for a really special year. Um, and then hockey, I guess, is also a sport. Uh, but yeah, go Celts, go Pats, go Sox. We'll see you in 2023. That is it for this edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be covering uh, the New York Yankees as well as 
Uh, Boston, the only city where coaches can get year-long suspensions but then actually just come back and, and coach or manage their previous team like nothing happened. They're about to go two for two in that department, which is pretty sick. Uh, high moral compass there. Um, until next time, you can find me on Twitter. It's right below, at Adam Weiner. We'll be talking playoff roster next week. Later in the week, we'll be on on Thursday. would love to be talking clinch. would love to be talking history. 2 o'clock Eastern time. You can't miss us. We're just going to be on this YouTube channel. And, of course, the upload will come to all those podcast platforms afterwards. At Adam Weiner, my handle. Plenty of you found me last week, including uh, the staff of Baseball Perspectives. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes, fairly easy. You can find me. We can talk. Uh, you can also find us if you want to extend the trash talking um, at Yanks Go Yard FS. That's the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account. Good times. Uh, you can also find us again in the comment section on YanksGoYard.com. A lot of content there for you. A lot of stuff we're speculating on, wondering about. Playoffs two weeks away, a little over two weeks away. Got to start. Got to start talking about this stuff. Got to start putting it in, bringing it into focus. Um, so yeah, like I said, take care of Toronto, keep an eye on judges record, keep an eye on our content coming in wake of judges record. And we're just going to take it day by day at this point. So enjoy the rest of your week, folks. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here. It's true. We'll see you Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.